Welcome to the four-part teaching series, Fivefold Ministry Explained, featuring DeMonte Edmonds. In this series, you'll get an overview of the fivefold ministry and their gifts and function in the body of Christ. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What is going on, everybody? Happy Monday. I'm so glad you guys are all here. This is the start of a new teaching series. It's series number five. It's called Fivefold Ministry Explained, featuring DeMonte Edmonds. This is going to be part one of four. So we're going to be doing four, four amazing episodes. Yeah, obviously there's five different elements to the fivefold ministry. So we're going to be lumping teachers and pastors into that final one. Um, I would imagine for a multitude of reasons, DeMonte will get into that once we get there. Uh, but for those of you who are like fivefold ministry, what in the world are you talking about? Uh, that is from Ephesians chapter four, verses 11 and 12. And it reads, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So again, that's Ephesians chapter four, verses 11 and 12. And there's more, you can read the context around those, um, which I would encourage you to do so, but that's where it is. Um, and I've said a couple of times on this show, especially leading up to this series that for a long time within the church, and I've served at, at many churches in the past that it's a, I call it a three fingered hand. So we've gotten rid of the apostles and the prophets for a multitude of reasons. And I'm sure DeMonte and I will get into that. And so what's left is the evangelist, the pastor and the teacher. And even with the evangelist, it's slowly being whittled down because uh, evangelists can make us uncomfortable. Let's be honest. Um, and so uh, as a result, I know that a lot of evangelists even have kind of been like pushed into their own corner. And it depends on the church. There are a lot of churches that are fivefold churches um, that operate in all five of those. Uh, but uh, there are a lot of churches where we, we I think is a, a tendency we have, especially in the West, is to compartmentalize and put those things into a way that we can understand. And if you're dealing with apostles and prophets, um, that's definitely out of your control. It's harder to control prophet. That's for sure. So. Um, yeah, so this is going to be a great series, you guys. Um, I know some of you are newer Christians, so this is a great, great way of establishing um, the way that God has intended his church to function. And so this is going to be a really, really great show. So, uh, all right, I want to get into this because we have a lot of ground to cover, and this is going to be a great, great episode. My guest today, he's an author. He's a just an absolutely gifted teacher. I always love listening to him teach. He's also the founder of Freedom for the Nations. Let's give it up for my guest today, DeMonte Edmonds. DeMonte Edmonds. How <laughs> Jeff, are you, man? I'm excited to be on the Lodge of Fire today. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's always great to have you on, man. So I'm really, really looking forward to this series. And I was so, I remember we I pitched you it. The last time you were on, I pitched you it after the show and I saw your eyes light up when I said fivefold ministry and you were like, oh, I want to do that. So this is going to be great. So before we get into it, though, I would love for you to just open us up with prayer. Yes. Well, Father, we thank you today for each and every person that's tuning in. We pray that the word of God would minister to their hearts and they would gain wisdom and understanding. Your word says that wisdom is the principal thing and all you're getting, get understanding. So as the teaching goes forth. We pray that a new grace and level of understanding concerning the kingdom and the fivefold ministry would be released in Jesus' name. Yeah. 
Amen. Okay, so let's, uh, if you have anything else to add in regards to the fivefold ministry, I wanted to give you an opportunity to do that. And then what today's episode is going to be centered on as well. Yes. So the Bible says that Christ gave gifts unto men. You know, we give uh, Christmas gifts and all types of gifts for birthdays and parties and all of those things. But it says Christ gave gifts unto men and women. And I want to tell you this, that a person can be a gift as well. We're going to dive into that. We mm -hmm. talked about Ephesians chapter four, but specifically today, we're going to talk about one of those five gifts, the apostle. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, let's, let's get into it because I okay. think, I know that there's been uh, defining an apostle for some people is difficult. And I've had you define it on this show, I think like two different times. So you're more than welcome to define it again, just for the sake of there's new people. But I think also there's this thing of looking at the new Testament and going, okay, apostles, especially because you can't pin it down. Some people, it's hard for them to define what an apostle is. So they're like, the apostle Peter, the apostle, you know, this person and that person from the New Testament. And that's as far as it goes, because you're like, well, they're then they don't exist now. Uh, maybe because my pastor said they didn't exist now or whatever. So. Yes. Yeah. So I agree. You know, I grew up in a very traditional type of uh, church denomination. Mm -hmm. We didn't have apostles. We had pastors, deacons and um, elders. And with that, I would read about the apostles and I thought they were only the apostles that you read about in the book of Acts mm -hmm. and in the New Testament. But there are modern day apostles. And when I said modern day, not just now in the 21st century, but even going back to after Jesus gave the first apostles, apostles never were done, done away with. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God did away with apostles. Actually, what's interesting, many people think Paul was the last apostle. But he he's the one that's writing. Jesus gives gifts unto men, some right. apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some teachers and some pastors. So if the Lord wasn't giving these gifts to the world and to mankind anymore, Paul wouldn't have included apostles. He could have said Jesus gave these gifts, but he's not giving them anymore. But he didn't say that. So, you know, the apostle sometimes is difficult to uh, define or understand. Because each of those other four ministry gifts, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, the pastor, they're very uh, kind of singular in their approach and in their ministry. That's right. So, for instance, an evangelist, to sum it up, they win souls. They tell people the good news. They win souls. A teacher, not rocket science. They teach. They love to teach. They love to break down the word and, and really get into the didactics of the word. The pastor. They pastor people, shepherd them, counsel them, care for them. And the prophet, they scare people off. Now I'm just teasing. <laughs> but the, yes, they the do. Prophets, no. <laughs> yeah, the prophets do scare people. But uh, but they prophesy. They get revelation, visions, dreams, prophetic yeah. words. Uh -huh. But the apostle, because it's a multifunctional ministry gift, it's a multi-purpose ministry gift, sometimes it's harder to identify. But the one word that comes to my mind when I think of an apostle is the word government. Mm. That is really a governing office that helps the other offices work together, that helps to equip and raise up leaders in those other offices, and then does a marriage of a number of things that we're going to talk about today. One is 
they pioneer in new territory. They go into new regions. Uh, they do, or they go into regions where there may be ministry, but they bring new present truth. Okay. For instance, you know, we know about Pentecostalism now, but if you look at Daddy Seymour, who was instrumental in Azusa Street Revival, he's considered an apostle. One of the reasons is because speaking in tongues and being filled with the Holy Ghost was not a common accepted practice. There were very few people that embraced that doctrine or even thought that it was still possible. And he pioneered Pentecostalism really for a century. Yeah. Well, and, and I so have a question great. about that really quick. Why, uh, aside from the obvious, well, it's because Satan didn't want, you know, this to, doesn't want Christians to be spirit filled. He doesn't want, he, he, but why why was that? Why wasn't that a common practice around that time when Seymour was doing the Zuzu Street revival? Okay, so now I have to jump back a little history to give a good answer. Yeah, here we go. So, so what happened, all of the ministry gifts, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, pastor, plus the nine gifts of the spirit, prophecy, tongues, interpretation, discerning spirits, miracles, were in the early church, mm -hmm. especially as the church was persecuted those gifts really flourished what happened was constantine uh made a law that all of the empire had to be christian i believe it was constantine yeah i was about to say alexander the great but it was constantine yeah it was constantine and, yes and so what happened you had a lot of people that converted on paper to christianity but they really were pagan some of them became priests, leaders, and Christendom, but they had never had a genuine salvation experience. And so now you have a clergy that has a mixture of paganism, Babylonian practices, and some real Christians all mixed in. And that kind of weakened or watered down the, the, the fullness of what God had for his people. And then as you move forward, we go into a period called the dark ages. You don't really see manifestations of the Holy Spirit. You don't see gifts of the Holy Spirit. You don't really see apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors. You see there's one quote unquote church that dominates the political affairs of the European world. It's an institution more than an organic body of Christ. Yeah. So then God begins a process of restoration to restore that which was not lost to heaven, not lost to the kingdom of God, but lost to mankind's expression of Christianity. And so the first office that was really restored was the teacher. We see with Martin Luther in Germany, he nailed, uh, what it was 95 or 96 theses on the church. I think 95 theses, yeah. Yeah, that the, the just should live by faith. And so now uh, also Johann Gutenberg invented the printing press. So at the same time as this revolution that, hey, we don't need somebody to be the middleman. We don't need a middleman priest. We can believe the word and understand the word and have a relationship with God directly. Now it's the printing press. So Bibles can be printed and sent out everywhere. Because before, the only people that had a Bible was the bishop, was the priest right. of the town. Mm -hmm. So now teachers begin to raise up and spread all throughout different parts of Europe. It brought us great schism. The next thing that happens now that people are, are becoming Christians with real salvation experiences, they're getting taught the word. Somebody has to pastor these people. Somebody has to shepherd these people. 
-hmm. So now you're getting local village town pastors. But then as you go forward, they said, look, most of us are Christians. Most of us believe in the word. What about Africa? What about South America? What about America? What about Asia? Now the evangelists begin to rise up because there's people that don't even, they've never heard the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so all these evangelists begin to rise up and go out. And then out of the great period of evangelism, the prophets come on the scene and say, the Lord can speak to his people. There is a word of the Lord. And then the apostles have been restored later. They were always there, but it's more of an emphasis and more of a fullness to it. But with the tongues, that was done away with. That was not embraced. That was not accepted. There were a few individuals that if you read their, their history in the medieval times, they had an experience where they got filled with the Holy Spirit. And they, they called it a gibberish. A gibberish will come out as they're <laughs> over flooding. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> some of them didn't even know what it was. Charles Finney, he was filled with the Spirit. And I don't know if he called it speaking in tongues. I think he said it was a gibberish, but he knew that it was God. Mm -hmm. um, so with that being said, there has been a progressive restoration of those things that were lost. And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Azusa Street was very instrumental and a catalyst for uh, bringing the body back into a place of fullness. Mm. So one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about the fivefold ministry, specifically even just us starting to uh, operate in these, these functions again, um, is because it's undeniable that the veil, the spirit realm is thin, and that's both for light and dark. So that's why we're seeing a rise in witchcraft. We're seeing a rise in new age. We're seeing, and people are having spiritual encounters in these arenas. They actually are. They're not good ones, but they're having them. So for them, there is some confirmation that it's real. And us as Christians should be very much operating in these in the prophetic, in, in healings, in all that stuff, we should be operating in this, uh, from a healthy place. And so that's why I'm so excited about this series is because this is going to lay down some good foundation, some good foundation, yeah. um, that's scriptural. Um, and obviously if people haven't been able to tell DeMonte knows his stuff, <laughs> like, you know, the history, all this stuff, like you've, you've, uh, born the heat of the day, you know, like you, you've walked through a lot of this stuff yourself, yeah. uh, even coming from a background that wasn't necessarily, it was more traditional. Uh, Definitely. So, Very yeah. traditional. so this is, this is really, really good. So, yes. Okay. And I go for it. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so I really just want to jump into apostle, the, the ministry of the apostle, what that looks like in detail, because they're, as you guys are watching this, some of you, especially if you're called into ministry, might might get a more clear picture of what you look like. I would consider myself more apostolic, um, especially given what I'm doing with this, pioneering, and I function in, I would say, all five. Uh, I mean, well, I guess all four, which mean, mean so if you function you mean, yeah. in, <laughs> yeah, so if you function in prophetic, evangelist, pastoring, and teaching, is it safe to look at that and go, oh, that that's definitely more apostolic? Yes. So, but, so I'm going to jump into all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. some people, they do have two offices as well. Oh, okay. 
because you know some can be an apostle but let's look at paul for example he says um i'm both a preacher and teacher and apostle so he was a teacher as well and he called himself a preacher so it just depends on your makeup and dna but normally if you kind of have all four working consistently it's a strong apostolic probably sense of grace or calling there definitely mm -hmm. yeah okay all right so obviously you know how you want to teach this so i'm just going to let you go and then okay. i'll just ask i'll just ask questions as i see fit. okay let's go for it well okay. i want to say that first i didn't know that apostles still existed i didn't know they were still around uh, but when you look in the Bible, you see the apostles, a few things that stand out about them. Number one, you see that they really had a revelation of Jesus Christ. He was always the focus, always the center, and they were always pushing the agenda of Jesus Christ. That's very important. Number two, you see that the apostles uh, from the Bible, from the early church, were people that dealt with territories. Paul is known for his missionary journeys. He went all over the place throughout uh, Rome and Asia Manor and Turkey and all these different cities and places. And when you look at a pastor, a pastor most of the time is more stationary. They may do some mission trips here and there, but for the most part, they have a local flock and they're more stationary. Whereas the apostle is more mobile and is concerned more with territories than one local assembly. Gotcha. The third thing that really stands out about the apostles is that they were led by revelation. We see with Peter, he fell into a trance while he was hungry on the rooftop. If I don't get a food soon enough, I may fall into a trance, I don't know. But <laughs> uh, that word transcends mystical, it's not mystical. It means that he was caught up with God in a vision. And so he gets this revelation that he's to go to the Gentiles, people that were not Hebrews, they were not Jews, and shared the gospel. That was against their custom, that was against their belief. But by revelation, he was sent to them. We see Paul that uh, uh, it said he went up to Jerusalem by revelation. There was no social media. There was no inbox. There was no text. There was no WhatsApp that they could invite him. You know, he probably had a dream or vision, an angel that said, you need to be at Jerusalem during this date. And he had to make his way there by revelation. So you really see them being sent to the places they go by revelation. Gotcha. Um, and as well, we see a vision where... Uh, the apostle went over to Macedonia. He had a vision in the night and the man said, come over to Macedonia. We need your help. I believe it was the angel of that territory calling him based on the prayers of the people that was there in their territory for God to reach out to them. So we see the, the, the apostles really being sent supernaturally. And I'm going to get into that some more. The next thing that stands out is the miracles, the healings, the deliverances, the supernatural, the signs, the wonders. The Bible says, truly, in all patience and signs and wonders and mighty deeds were the signs of an apostle wrought among you. And Apostle Paul says that in 2 Corinthians, he says, truly, in all patience, signs and wonders, mighty deeds. He said, hey, the signs of an apostle were wrought among you. So he talks about that an apostle's ministry should have signs and wonders and mighty deeds. And so we see this. And... Let's question, are there modern day apostles? If we look at some of those things as requirements, as well as one that's very important that I think we leave out sometime. I think this kind of makes the difference between a person that has apostolic grace and is in the office of an apostle. The apostle Paul says this, have I not seen the Lord? 
He was seen of the other apostles. He was seen of James and Peter. And he goes on, he said, lastly of me. And in other places, it talks about having have to have seen the Lord. Uh, in Acts, in the beginning of Acts, it talks about who's going to take Judah's place. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. You know, Judas was kicked off the team and they needed a replacement. They needed to go yeah. into the draft. They they had to go into the second round draft picks. <laughs> and they, one of the requirements was this. The person had to have seen the Lord while, while he was, you know, moving around on the earth. That was a requirement. And honestly, probably up until the 80s, 1980s, most apostles, if not all, had seen the Lord. Now, sometimes people become apostles by prophecy in different ways, but I really believe that's the biblical uh, 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 foundation for it. I'm going to jump into that. So, and I guess I can jump into it right now. That's perfect. Yeah. The mm -hmm. word apostle comes from a Greek word, apostolos. Apostolos was a military, governmental, naval term for a naval officer or commander that was sent out with ships or a fleet. Oh, wow. And so when you think of a, for guys that have been in the military or your military kids, an officer is called their commission. So someone that's not an officer is called non-commissioned. Commission means they have an authorization, they have paperwork, they have certification, that they have certain authority to command those under their rank and they have certain authority to fulfill their position. And the higher you go up, generals, for instance, they have to be confirmed by Congress. So apostles come from apostolos, meaning that they're officers. They're 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 like high they're like high-ranking officials. They have a specific commissioning. Because if you're commissioned as an admiral in the Navy, you don't need to be on land with a rifle trying to fight. Right. <laughs> right. You know, if you're commissioned as a three star general or just as a, let's say as a captain in the Marines. You're not supposed to be up in the air on an airplane <laughs> trying mm -hmm. to fly an airplane. Right. That's an officer that's commissioned in the Air Force. So all apostles are not the same. Many apostles have different commissionings, but because this is like an officer's rank. I'm just using an analogy. Mm -hmm. There should be a visitation from the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people may debate that or disagree. When I look back at history, when I look back at Martin Day apostles that we cannot refute that they're apostles. And when I look back at the Bible, that was pretty much the accepted norm um, of visitation from the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So, we're so gonna be, well, yes. just really quick, just to kind of maybe quell some, somebody might have some now has some doubts or questions. Having a visitation of, from the Lord does not automatically mean that you have now yeah. an ap 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 yes. apostle. Yeah. Okay. So a great, great point. The visitation has to be specific. See, the Lord visited me when I was 10, but he didn't tell me I was called to be an apostle. Right. Okay. He just, you know, terrified me at that moment. Yeah. But <laughs> he's lovely. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> He was revealing himself to me. There was a separate, there's a specific visitation where you're literally commissioned as apostle. He makes it known to you. That's what he's calling you to. 
and what he's calling you to do. It's not like he just shows up, say you're an apostle and he disappears. It's mm -hmm. normally some revelation of what you're called to do. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. And many times it's something that you don't want to do. <laughs> I always say that makes it easy to hear from God when it's something you don't want to do. Yes. Because there's yeah. some people that want the Lord to visit them to tell them something they want to do. Mm -hmm. It normally yeah. doesn't happen that way. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, and then as well, so there's a process to that. Because I know some people say, well, the Lord visited me and I'm an apostle now. He does a personal revelation, but he also does a public affirmation. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Because even Apostle Paul didn't start out as an apostle. It says he was a preacher, teacher, and apostle. He was a teacher first. We know this. Let me tell you how we know this. In Acts chapter 13, it says, now at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Menahem and, and, and Philip, and, and um, um, it goes on, names Barnabas and Saul, and it tells you who was there. It didn't say any of them was apostles. They said they were prophets and teachers. But we know that he was a teacher because he tells us later in his writings that he's a teacher. What happened, it says, the, the elders, the leaders, the prophets, the teachers, the, the collective leadership at Antioch, the Holy Spirit said unto them, separate us, Barnabas and Paul, for the work that I've called them to. Mm. See, they were already doing work of the work of ministry. They already had went out to different cities and went out and, and discipled people and strengthened believers and equipped people. They already were giving proof that there was an apostolic call but now they were officially separated and recognized that they were being set apart to this office. So it's not that the Lord just comes and visits you. He confirms to other seasoned, credible. Let me use that word. Let me say that five times. Credible people, <laughs> credible people, credible people. Very credible, important. Yes. Credible people, people that have some fruit and evidence of God in ministry in their own life. Not someone that's a fly by night person. He's going to confirm it to multiple credible that's people. Really important. Yeah. Very important. And I've seen people, they had some private revelation. They just made themselves something. Um, I'm an apostle, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, when the Lord visited me, March 20th, 07, I told you guys before I showed up at the door. Uh-huh. Yeah. I wasn't happy about that. And I didn't Good. use the title apostle. It wasn't until November 2010, the Lord rebuked me and said, when are you going to do what I told you? <laughs> you <know? laughs> I, I wasn't trying, because I already knew it was going to bring warfare. It was going to bring people saying, oh, yeah. this guy's kid. he's too young. And I was like, I'll just stay a prophet and prophesy because I can prove that I'm a prophet by prophesying to you. If you don't feel I'm a prophet, I prophesy to you. You're like, okay, you can be a prophet. But an apostle, like you said, Jeff, is a little bit more abstract. You, how do you... I mean, you can be in a room with somebody and tell them about their mother, their father. They're like, okay, he's a prophet. But how do you prove you're an apostle? I just didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, so with that being said, I believe there's a personal visitation from the Lord specifically to reveal your apostleship. And I mentioned this, that not all apostles are the same. Some people are apostles to their city. They're called to galvanize churches in their city, bring churches together, work with leaders there, do community stuff there. Uh, they may be really apostle to their region. Some are apostle to nations. You know, I had a friend, he was a uh, martyr over in India, but he can't, he was in the U.S. with me. And I said, you want to go see the buildings in D.C. or you want to go see? He said, no, listen, 
I'm called to India. I'm just here to raise money for India. I know my assignment. I don't want to see any sightseeing. I don't want to see any tourism. I just want to do what I have to do so I can go back to India. He didn't want to travel to Africa. He didn't want to travel to Europe. He didn't want to preach in Australia. He was called to India, and that was his territory. He was about his business. Yeah. He was about his business. Yeah. And yeah, he was gangster with it. So, yeah. (laughs) And he used to be actually a gangster. He actually used to be a street gangster. No way. Before he got saved. Yeah. 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 And then he became a, a politician. So, I mean, not too much all over the place yeah all over the place. not too much of a difference you just put a suit on so i mean right yeah uh... (laughs) anybody who's in government we love you he's just having fun no but he did tell me that he said it wasn't too much of a difference i just had a suit and all this yeah he said it yeah he said it but And then, you know, so there's a variety of, of different type of apostle, apostles. Some of them have an assignment, maybe to start, you know, schools or some of them have assignment mm-hmm. to, you know, deal with real warfare and raise up intercessors. It's all it's different depending on what God calls you to do. Not all generals are the same. Not all admirals are the same. Not all captains are the same. Some may work in IT. Some may be over a company of soldiers. Some may be, you know, giving advice to the general. But they're still a captain. Sure. So you can't model your ministry or self a, pr- a person in a box based on a f- one person that maybe we've experienced or seen. Yeah. So um, in regards to, because uh, I know there's going to be people, especially if this is a new thing, they're like, but how do you know that the visitation from the Lord was of the Lord also? Is it possible, because some people might be in this state right now where they've been visited by the Lord and they've been given a clear direction, but it's not fully fleshed out. Can other people then come as in that waiting time? Can other people come and confirm that and kind of provide the rest of the picture for you? So, yeah, it's kind of a twofold question, I guess, that I'm asking. Yes. So I would say this. Number one, if you've had a visitation, I would probably tell you to keep it quiet and just continue to pray, read the Bible. I would probably advise not even to go directly to your leadership right away if you know as the Lord, because (laughs) it could spook them out sometimes. Mm -hmm. You have to, so the Bible talks about waiting on your ministry. Okay. Just because you have a revelation doesn't mean that you have the full authorization to run and tell it or do it. For most, even after the visitation or revelation, there's still an incubation period where the seeds that were sown need to be watered, need to be matured, and you need to wisdom to figure out what to do with that visitation. Mm -hmm. So there's probably, and then as well, every revelation brings with it new questions. Every assignment brings with it new questions. It's like the first assignment, take Israel to the Jordan. You're like, okay, I'm going to take him to Jordan. I just got the directions. I got the GPS. My phone has the map quest. I took him to the Jordan. Then you get to Jordan. Well, how am I going to cross the Jordan? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the next assignment, take him over to, well, how am I going to, now you have to get that. Then once you're on all this, now what I do next. So there's always this dependency. Yeah. God creates a perpetual dependency upon his spirit. Mm-hmm. That any visitation revelation, you still have to get the understanding and wisdom. And Sometimes faith. Months and years. Yeah, and faith. You're never and not faith. going to have to require, it's never not going to require faith. 
Never. So and that's huge. And the Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. So even if an angel showed up, I may talk to some people about it. Even though I may be think I'm clear and say, hey, what do you think about this? What do you feel? What is the Lord putting on your heart about it? You know, and, you know, because the Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. So it's biblical and it's wise to have counsel mm. with the right credible people. Yeah. That word credible. Don't just go to your friends that have less mature than you are. <laughs> to try Over to a bunch right. of doubting Thomases anyways that are like, yeah. no, no, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so as well, we see one of the big functions of apostles was planning churches, mm -hmm. church planners. Being a church planner doesn't make you an apostle, but being a church planner may be a sign that you are an apostle. Gotcha. Because I know some church plan. How can I say this? I have to be careful. I know an organiz organization that plants churches and has more buildings and planted more churches around the world than any other organization. But they're not necessarily apostles. They just have yeah. the resources to do it. Mm -hmm. okay. So, <laughs> but we see that the apostles did plant churches, some more than others. But that is one of the functions that may be present. Now, I think in our day and time, because there's so many churches in America, you may see apostles that are not tasked to plant as many churches, but they are they're tasked to work with the churches that's already established to okay. strengthen them, to equip them, to empower them, and to help them to come into present truth and the fullness of the spirit. Okay. Well, I mean, if you have another topic that you want to hit on, go for it. Yeah, I want to talk about some of the, the gifts that... And, so evangelists and i'm gonna go back to apostle real quick one thing that i know an evangelist sometimes so as a pro I'm, I'm almost a prophet first i like a lot of quiet in quiet space and for me i have friends that's evangelists sometimes i have to prepare to call them because they have the gift of gab they can talk <laughs> about stuff, stuff, stuff. and i mean i'm just like let me go into my quiet prophet space and hear what the lord say and they can i mean they can go they have the mm -hmm. gift to get, but they use that to win souls. Well, the apostle has special equipment too. One is the gift of leadership. Okay. Because they help to unite and to bring the other ministry gifts into collaboration. And they oversee ministries. They oversee churches. They oversee parachurch ministries. And that takes the gift of leadership. As well, the spirit of counsel. Because it takes one dimension as a pastor to counsel people, believers. But when you're dealing with leaders, it takes a certain level of wisdom and counsel to. So the apostles, like a, oftentimes, like a pastor to pastors. Yeah. As well. A leader to leaders. Yeah. A leader to leaders. Yes. Yeah. And so it takes a spirit of wisdom and understanding. Then the next thing we talked about is signs, wonders, and miracles. Now, the Bible says these signs shall follow those that believe. They should cast out devils. They should speak in new tongues. All believers should have signs that point to Jesus. But the apostle ministry talks about wonders and mighty deeds. Okay. It goes to another level. Whereas we see with, <laughs> this may not be the best one, but when Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit when they were giving, and Peter said, defeated them that took you out. 
you yeah, know, they man. felt bad. So that was really hard. a wonder. Yeah. A rough wonder, but it was a wonder. It made you wonder yeah. if you want to lie to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um, when you see Peter raising the dead. Yeah. When you okay. see Paul with Eutychus, the young man that fell down from a rafter, he was sleeping. That's why you don't sleep when people are preaching. Right. And he, and he died and, and, and Paul fell upon him. He was raised up from that. That is a wonder. That is a mighty deed. Or you see like a John G. Lake goes into South Africa with his wife. It's pretty much heathens, Gentiles, pagans, idolaters, witchcraft, sorcery, sangomas. Sun, there's no churches. There's no denominations, really. There's no, you know, church network for me to plug into. But in six years, he starts, I believe, 500 churches plus churches, 250,000 salvations. That is a mighty deed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. you see these mighty deeds. And God has to equip them, equip them that way because often they're going into territories where people don't believe the gospel or people don't believe the present truth that's being taught. And so God has to do this extra-ness to make yeah. proof of the message that he sent them. Mm -hmm. Go back to the military. An admiral goes to a country and say, hey, look, if you, if you don't stop crossing this border and messing with your neighbor country, let me use, well, let me use uh, uh, the, the Gulf conflict. Saddam Hussein, please leave Kuwait alone. Saddam says, I don't want to hear what you have to say, ambassadors. They say, okay. They bring the admirals in, the generals. Now we're going to hit you with Tomahawk missiles. Now you, <laughs> it's this weaponry, this equipment that gives proof that what God is saying has some backing to it. Yeah. And so God supernaturally backs all believers, but with the apostles' ministry, because they're dealing with territorial spirits often, these demonic powers that control cities, towns, communities, regions that are invisible in spirit places, they need something that can overcome their stronghold on the hearts and minds of men. Mm -hmm. And it's signs and wonders that God packs in to real apostles to make proof of that. One great example I like to give, then Jeff, I'll let you take it whichever way you want to take it. Yeah. In the Philippines, Dr. Summerall went there. He, he met with, um, some other ministries and they said, you know, it's hard winning souls here. It's hard winning Tagalog people that speak Tagalog. And the Lord told them build a building out of old aircraft hangar. So he's, he said, build a building. I don't even have any people. I don't even have any, I got like three people in the ministry here. <laughs> and the Lord says, do you believe that I can fill it? Build it. So he gets the money, he begins to build the head of the Bible Society, the head of some denominations, they come over and say, what are you doing? You're building this building. You're making us look bad. You're making us look crazy. You don't have no people. Please stop it. Just looking bad for all us Christians that's here. When he's home one day, he's listening to the radio. It's a story about a young lady that's in prison. She was a prostitute. And these demonic forces are scratching her, causing her to bleed, causing her to yell and scream. And nobody can see these demonic forces. Even mm. all, the, all of the prison staff, they report it. The news is reporting it. And he begins to cry and say, God, please do something for this little girl. And even 
and this is not to bring fear on anybody. This is where we were right. in the Philippines. This is a long time ago. It's been overcome. Power of blood, the G, part of power of Jesus right. Christ, and Jesus Christ, blood of Jesus covers us. So don't be afraid. This is just a good story to tell you how powerful God is in you. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. Okay. So two people had come in there to see the girl and she pronounced a curse on them and they passed away right away. So people are terrified. Mm-hmm. So he's, he said, God, please do something for this little girl, free her. And the Lord speaks to him. I want you to go and pray for her. He said, that's not what I meant. <laughs> and the Lord says, you're the only person in this country that I have prepared that's capable to do this. Man. The only person. You want to talk about the fear of the Lord? No. Woo. And, you know, no pressure on you, but you're the only person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So he you're, goes. You're my only option. Yeah. You're, you're the last option in this country. I would have to send somebody from another country. But in this country, you're the one person that I have that's crazy enough to do this thing. And it has mm. enough word and spirit to, to pull it off. Yeah. So he tells the people he's going to go. News reporter comes, news reporters, the mayor comes, all these people. Girl gets delivered. Spirit stopped biting her and tormenting her. She's in her right mind. And then she ends up getting married and having kids years later. It hits the papers, hits the town, hits the city. The mayor said, what, what can we do for you? He said, give me the biggest building downtown and let me hold a revival for three days or, or two weeks, two weeks, three weeks, something like that. I think like 20,000, 30,000 people got saved. That building that he had, that could seat 10,000, got filled up overnight. That is a sign, wonder, and mighty yeah. deed. That's beyond a sign or wonder. That's a mighty deed. Yeah. Yeah. And not all apostles are moving at that level, but there have been people in modern times, even St. Patrick. Let's go back a little bit. I'm talking about somebody from the 50s and 60s just now. St. Patrick went into Ireland. They say he ran all the Druids out. He ran all the Celt, I mean, the Druids that were doing black magic, ran them out. It actually says, and I don't know if it's true, it was a, a plethora of snakes just all types of snakes. And he prayed and all the snakes just left Ireland. They said that's a fact, that they just left and went into the water or something. But yeah. you heard these wild stories about the power of Jesus Christ operating through him that he brought Christianity to a place where they didn't have it. They were intimidated and in fear and oppressed by the Druids and their black magic. Yeah, And there's others I could talk about. But there have been modern day apostles going back in time. Yeah. Well, and I think too, something that really opened my eyes back when I was in missions was going to Eastern countries. And I remember I was in India and I was talking to people, some, some, some Hindus about Christianity. And it, there was this moment where I realized I'm like, they believe that God exists. Like, it was like, it was the weirdest thing because over here you go, God doesn't exist. Did that really happen? Did that miracle really happen? Are you sure? Are you sure that person in the audience wasn't just a plant? How do you know that the person, the minister was, is trustworthy? Like these are literally conversations I have yeah. with people. And, um, but over there, even though they were Hindu, they believed that God exists. They just believed he was one God of many. So, and I mean, cause they're seeing 
things supernatural. supernatural paranormal things happening around them so for them and they believe in demons they believe in you know and like in tibet one of my friends went tibet to tibet and there was this doorway and the monks would go there day and night and they would sit there and pray and burn incense and do all these things because they were terrified they knew that if they didn't do this these demons would come out and they were so they i mean 100 believe in this stuff not as like a superstition thing because it's real and one thing that i yes. noticed is there's a difference between um having experienced that shaped a lot of this in a different light for me of going, okay, these are people that have a different mindset than a Western mindset. So they're already seeing supernatural things. And so I've found that when you're in a, uh, an environment where spirits, more supernatural things happen, or it's a higher spiritual atmosphere in terms of good and bad. It, it's like things see, things seem to materialize better. Stronger. So if you, yeah. Strong. Their faith is already there. Their right. faith is out in the atmosphere. It's just on the wrong right. side of things. Right. So once they hear the right side of things, their faith is already there. You don't have to deconstruct that this is not possible. They believe it's possible. They're just pulling from the wrong source. Right. And you mentioned the Tibetans. You know, the Dalai Lama, who's the head of, I don't know if he, he's not the head of all Buddhists, but he's the head of a certain lineage. Yeah. Of it. yeah. He wrote a book and in the book he said that he told his followers they couldn't deal with a certain spirit anymore because that spirit had a bad attitude and and was aggressive and hostile and in the book he said something like this i know the westerners reading this you're gonna think it's crazy and superficial but this is our life and this is a reality for us mm -hmm. and it is yeah and i think we're going to get there though i Not think we are Adama, but we're going to get there where the kingdom of god is real yeah well, and we're just seeing that there's this hunger within people for spiritual things. And like I said, that's good and bad, you know, like it can be good. It can be bad things. But the other thing too, that I look at with like things that and I've said this a lot on the show, but uh, is there's a lot of people that will look at darkness rising and go, Oh, darkness is rising. We got to do something about it. I'm like, darkness what Satan is doing is always in response to what God is doing because God is so much bigger than Satan. And to say the opposite of that is to give more credit to Satan than to God himself. Um, yes. and so I think that, uh, but Satan has done a, um, a horrible job. He's crafty. He's done a horrible job of getting, you know, Christians to actually believe that these things don't exist especially in the West or like, Oh no, I'm more, you know, science, you know, like, or I, and then you, it starts to affect the way that you read the Bible. Um, but when you've had these experiences and these encounters, Oh man, like, to, yeah. so like there was a, um, back when I was in Wyoming, you know, we would do these schools prep people before we went overseas and a discipleship training school is what it's called. And so we had this woman from South Africa come and she said this thing to, a group of students that I knew really struggled with things of the supernatural. And she, she was um, very blunt and she was like, I don't care if this is hard for you to hear. She's like the town I grew up in, there would be a demon with horse hooves that would run on the tops of everybody's houses and keep them up at night. And you could see it with your own eyes. She's like, I'm sorry if that's hard for you guys to believe, but it's real. And that's that, that happens. And you could just, I mean, you could, 
you could hear a pin drop. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And I mean, and you can't argue with her because she knows that that's been her experience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And for them, yeah. their experience have been on a total opposite end. And it's funny you said that because my friend was a missionary and he went into this, I won't say what area. And he said around 8 p.m., you can hear the spirits dropping on the roofs. And mm. I won't get into the graphics of it, but that was a town you had to be really fasted and prayed up. It was some yeah. wild stuff would happen. But yeah. he said you could hear them 8 p.m., 9 p.m. You can hear them start walking on the roofs and they do yeah. their demonic activity. Yeah, I believe that stuff, man. I but just... you know, you know what? You know what I so I, I figured this out too. These are normally places where the gospel has not penetrated. Mm-hmm. Once the gospel goes into a territory and people start praying, even if though it's a few, the ability of the demonic powers to manifest where they're visible mm-hmm. and where they can do more stuff in the natural realm decreases. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. And then it becomes more concentrated to just like pockets. I don't know if it's like demonic yeah. portals are opened up or, you know, like people go to certain areas and like, oh, this is where haunted and this is, you know. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I agree. Yes. Yeah. So what was, DeMonte, what was the process like for you? I mean, you've talked about it a little bit, but so obviously you had an encounter with the Lord. You even had people on the phone with you when you had this encounter, correct? Yes. But what was the process like? Because obviously you had three years of like being like, no, I'll just be a prophet. I'm just going to, you know, what was this process like? Because there are some people who might even tonight have an encounter with the Lord as he he was using this as a seed to get them to actually turn their eyes towards it. So what was that process like for you? You obviously waited. Did you have several people confirm this for you? And then finally God was like rebuking you. Like, when are you going to do what I asked you to do? Or uh, what was so, that process like? I actually was receiving words before it happened that I was going to be an apostle. But I thought it was going to be like when I'm 55, 60. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I thought, okay, I was like, okay, that's cool. You know, I was like, okay, it happened when I'm 50. You know, I wasn't focused on that. Um, <laughs> the process for me, when it happened, I was literally at the point where I don't want to say I didn't feel like a failure. But I felt like I was not progressing mm. the way that I thought I would progress. But what happens oftentimes, we judge our progression or our growth based on how what we think should be manifesting. Oh, yeah. Yep. God judges our growth based on what he needs in that season from us. And a lot of times it's eternal yeah. stuff that deals nothing with what we're doing in the external. It's a change of heart. It's a more yieldness to the spirit, all of these things. But in that period i felt like a big part of the process was just making sure i stayed humble that's major humility is major lord's been giving me so much revelation on how people jack almost had jacked themselves up by a lack of humility he's been Mm. just so strong on me about the last few weeks that's so good another one was more people that were already leaders and pastors begin to come to me for help I found myself in more positions speaking to other pastors, leaders, prophets, giving them help. And at first it was a little awkward because I was younger than most of them, but I would often find myself being the senior person or the voice of the person that they're coming to for advice. It just, it became more natural for me. And then the third thing was this, my gifts became stronger and sharper. 
Healings became stronger. Miracles began to increase. My prophetic was sharper. And so just learning to navigate even with the wisdom of how, how and when to even flow in those giftings. So uh, the process for every person is a little different depending on their assignment. Uh, but I feel like I'm still in a process. There's mm-hmm. always a process. And so each season, the process is different based on where God is taking you and what he's trying to put in you and what he's trying to get out of you. Mm. So then in regards to the process or like different apostles being called to different regions, how is that, how is that confirmed? Is it, is it confirmed? Is it, I would imagine that's a very loaded topic because it can be people, it can be encounters, it can be all kinds of stuff. So yeah. How is that? How is your region confirmed to you? Can you go a, a quite a ways knowing you're an apostle, maybe even operating in it without fully having clear? Yes. So yeah. when he called me as an apostle, I ended up pastoring a local church. I was never a pastor. I just pastored the people, but I wasn't in the office of pastor. And he was dealing, I was getting all these words about nations. No nations were opening up. And then one day we were in prayer and I saw an angel that had flags and, and, and keys around his waist, just like that for like two seconds. Huh. And I told the church, that's the angel the Lord told me that's going to open up nations. The first nation would happen. There's a bishop from Nigeria. He had been watching my stuff on YouTube. He's coming to America. Well, that sounds funny, like the movie Coming to America. Well, you, yeah, I also heard Going to America. Yeah. Uh, that, whoever sings that song, anyways. <laughs> and I said, well, where are you going to be at? He said, I'm going to be in Norfolk, Virginia. I said, well, I live in Virginia Beach, Virginia next door. We meet. He invites me and my wife to Africa. Me and my wife felt great about it, first door. Later, so I put no effort in. And it's a young lady. Her name is Selena. We worked together at the time. She had two dreams that I was in Nigeria. So I already knew Nigeria was a place that God had called me to. Okay. Another time, and I talked about how these things come by revelation. I had a dream that a man, African man, was inviting me to Ireland, to Dublin. Really weird. Like you think of Dublin, I'm thinking like a, you know, white guy with red hair and freckles is going to invite me with with an accent. Black African guy. The next day I get a message. This guy named Chukuma Abaga. He's a bishop Uh there with evangelical assemblies. He said, hey, would you consider coming over to Dublin to minister? I knew I knew it was a yes. India. I did not want to go to India. Okay, why not? I had no desire. Just no desire, yeah. A gentleman contacts me, sends me these emails, inviting me. I think he's a scammer. Keeps emailing me. And my wife ends up having a dream. She said, oh, not a dream. It was like an open vision. Angel stood by the bed or something and said, this is for your husband when he goes to India and pulls out like these orbs or something, drops them and disappears. I was like, oh, now the Lord's playing dirty. He's using my wife. But <laughs> so once he tells oh, your wife. Okay. Yeah, it's over, man. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you're like that guy in the Philippines that he tells you're the only person that. Right, <laughs> yeah. You're done. You're, you're done. Once he tells, he can tell Gabriel and Michael, the archangel. But once he tells your wife, you're, you're not going to hear the end of it. No, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy's coming to the U.S. for a conference. And I said, where are you going to be? He's going to be in D.C. I lived in Virginia. He was staying in Northern Virginia for five days. Met him, loved him, went to India. 
and I could go on with different countries how there was a revelation first. So one day I had, I was praying and I fell into this vision and I saw like um, Romania and Czechoslovakia and Czech Republic. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know anybody that does ministry there. Fast forward, two months later, one day Lord said, go to this church service at this church. Never had been to the church. I heard of the church. I knew of the church. I go, they got a guest speaker. He's a bishop in Romania. Lord said, go up and give him the revelation you had for, for, for Czechoslovakia, Romania. I give it to him. He invites me over. I end up in Romania and in Transylvania. And um, so it was, it's always been about revelation for me. I get a lot of invites, but I have to have some revelation from the Lord because the word apostolos means a sent one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That I'm being sent and there's an assignment that the Lord has to reveal to me in that sending. Hmm. The thing that I keep hearing you say is that it's uh, important to not assume that if you've had an encounter, uh, a awesome word from the Lord, to not share that with everybody. I think that we can, you can get excited. Even on this show, there's been times when I open my mouth to share an encounter and the Lord's like, no, I don't want you to share that. I was like, yes, sir. You know, and, and it's, it's been a, a just cause I get excited and I, um, and so I think that's really important also because you're not sharing it with everybody that actually makes the confirmation of it hit that much harder because yeah. you have these people that have no prior knowledge of you having any kind of encounter or any kind of confirmation yourself. So when they say it, it hits even harder. It's just like, whoa, there we yeah. go. And that's that so important. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I was thinking about my wife. We were dating and a friend of mine, an older gentleman called me. He didn't know. I, he never met her, never knew I was dating her. He said, it's a young lady in your life. You're thinking about distancing yourself a little bit so you can spend more time with God. You feel like God may be upset because you're not spending time, as much time with him because you're with her. But the Lord says he wants you to spend more time with her. <laughs> so, awesome. <laughs> and I mean, he was on point. So you're right. Yeah. When you keep it secret, God can send those confirmations. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. And you'll know too, you'll know the times to share and when not to, I think it's just important to not assume that everything that you're given, you're supposed to share. I think I've shared on the show before, but James Gall, he, he's said numerous times, he's like, there's a lot, there's a lot in here that God has shown me and spoken to me that I'm not, I I've been, I'm not allowed to release it yet. And I would imagine that's the same for you too. Um, and yeah. others where God, there's things that God has given you that, you know, it, it's just important to be a good steward with that stuff too. And always, always go to the Lord and ask him, Hey, am I supposed to share this or not? Um, I agree. Yeah. So I, I, oh, oh, go ahead. No, no. I was just thinking a pastor reached out to me maybe two years ago and he said, Hey, would you pray and see if the Lord has a word for me? I said, I, I said, Lord already gave me a word for you six years ago. I just couldn't share it with you until today. I had been sitting on the word for six years. Wow. Wow. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And then there's times where I've, I've experienced, like there was something that the Lord showed me and I chickened out and sharing it with somebody. And then something happened later. <laughs> that was what I saw. And I was like, then you just, you come across like an armchair, armchair quarterback, armchair, or yeah. what do they call it? A, a Monday prophet or Sunday. Uh, I can't uh, uh, 
a parking lot, not a parking lot, but yeah, a, a historian. Yeah. So then you're like, oh yeah, no, the Lord showed me that, you know, but it's like yeah. retroactively, it's like, okay, well, yeah, it's, you know, it doesn't hit as hard. Um, but uh, another way that you had described an apostle last time, which I actually clipped out, which I thought was great. And you described, uh, for those who haven't seen that, um, you described an apostle as a manager of a job as well. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Now, back to the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which I thought was great. So go ahead and give that analogy again about like a manager of a job. is An apostle is like a manager at a job as well. So if I remember, you know, I kind of look at like, you know, the, the, the evangelists, they're on the, they're out there on the sidewalk holding a sign, trying to get people into the pizza place. You know, they're winning the souls, holding the signs, flipping the signs, dancing, they're getting people in. And then once they get in, you know, the person at the register, you know, they're going to help them with the menu and all these things. They're kind of like the teacher. Then, you know, you got everybody doing that little, their, their job there in the place. And the pastor, you know, they're cleaning up the place, make sure it's clean. You know, they clean the fish and all these things. But anyway, uh-huh. the apostles like a manager. They they kind of help make sure that the right people are in the right place, the right gifts are aligned properly, and that the resources are there for the vision. At the end of the day, the manager goes back and checks the books, the cash register, all of those things. And so that's kind of what an apostle do. do. They they do a lot of management. There's a lot of, they probably do more management than actual preaching. The preaching is the easy part. The management is the the nonstop part. Yeah. And then you also described how a, a, the manager will also do all those jobs as well. Like for instance, somebody calls in sick, for example, you're going to be running the cast register in addition to other things or mopping the floors at the end of the night or um, also they train other people how to do those things, which very much is a part of an apostle as well is training and equipping people within the body of Christ, even other people within like the evangelist, pastor, teacher, and profit roles as well, correct? Definitely. And you know, I think about Paul that he was at Ephesus for, I believe, 36 months. I believe one of the reasons was he had to stay long enough so he could train and equip people to take over. Mm. He was at Corinth, I believe, 18 months. And I believe that, you know, they had to wait until the, the people matured enough that he could move on to the next assignment and people were in place to steward what God was doing in those territories. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. And so uh, obviously, I mean, we can talk a little bit, just a little bit more of how an apostle works with uh, other uh, other ministry gifts. So like if if someone goes, DeMonte, we want to invite you to our church in England. OK, what 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 does that process look like? I mean, obviously, it might de- it's really going to depend on what God is showing you what their needs are, but how, how does an apostle work with an existing ministry or a church or like, what does that even look like? I'm, I'm just really curious. So there's two dimensions to that. One, you may be an apostle, but I may not be their apostle. Okay. I'm going to go back to, let's go to a job. You might have seven managers, but not everybody's your manager. Mm. So if I'm covering the ministry, overseeing the ministry, 
I have more leeway in what I can do, what I can say, what I can address. If they're asking me, hey, we want you to come in and teach on the genealogy of Jesus, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go teach on the genealogy of Jesus. Now, if the Lord strongly, strongly breaks in and takes me in a different direction, I would ask for permission to move in that direction. And, you know, you got to use wisdom in all things. But yeah. for the most part, I'm going to do the assignment that they asked me to do. Um, <laughs> and sometimes the Lord may add some extra to that. So some places I go, they may want leadership teaching. Some places they may say, hey, we got a lot of witchcraft and sorcery and people that's in bondage can come and do deliverance or deliverance training. Some places they may want prophetic ministry. Some places they may want equipping. It just all depends on uh, uh, what the need is and what the assignment is from God. So it does vary from place to place. And that's why, like you said, so let me go back to this. The prophets get revelation. But I really believe the apostle's job is to implement the revelation. So you see, the Bible says in Ephesians, apostles and prophets are the foundation of the church. Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. So apostles and prophets work very closely because apostles come up with strategy and blueprints and implementation. They're builders. Paul called himself a master builder. The prophets get. So let's look at Nehemiah. He's like an apostle of the Old Testament. He's building the walls of Jerusalem. He's trying to rebuild the city. But it says that through Haggai and Zechariah, through their prophesying, that revelation and strength and empowerment came that the work could be completed. Mm -hmm. So apostles and prophets work very well together. Let's look at evangelists. Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ unto them. A lot of people got saved. Town, uh, town was full of people saved and delivered and healed. But nobody got filled with the Holy Ghost. That wasn't his grace. That wasn't mm -hmm. his anointing. Okay. He called for John and Peter, the apostles. They came down, prayed for people to get filled with the Holy Ghost. But I also believe that they helped bring some structure or framework to the revival, where to take it next. You look at Apollos. I believe he became an apostle, but he really was a teacher. He was a expository teacher. He was a didactic teacher. He was an apologetic. You know, if signs and wonders couldn't win them, then he would come in with his understanding of the word and ability to be articulate and break down the the, the break down everything in the word and, and refute the naysayers. So Paul could come in. Let's say Peter, that maybe was less literate, could come in and do some signs and wonders when people, but there's some people they see that they still want to debate it because they want to see it in the word. Mm -hmm. Then Apollos comes in with the teaching gift and he works his he works his work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then with the pastors, for instance, sometimes an apostle goes into a region, breaks through in that region, breaks through in that territory, but he leaves that region, he got to leave the pastor in place. Or pastors in the re multiple pastors are in the region, but they're not really working together. They're trying to do their own thing. An apostle comes in and brings them together. You know, I've done a lot of. So this is one of the challenges. In most places, people are isolated. Yeah. If you're not in their group, their denomination, their and I've brought apostles together in the same region, and they were at the table nervous, shaking. And I remember one of the older apostles told me, he said, "Man, I was so nervous." You know, there's a fear sometimes of working with all the leaders. Yeah. And really real apostles help to bring leaders together. Mm. Yes. Yeah. 
So obviously, I mean, you're kind of already talking about this, but how can I see your point in here? Uh, how can ministers align properly apostolically? Okay, so with that, with that prayer, ask God, who is it that's assigned to help me and my vision and my life and my assignment? You know, I can't really give a, no, well, I would say this. I was about to say I could. I would give a practical tool. Was it, what is it, where is it that you feel God is taking you? And what is it that you feel called to do? Okay. What is it that's in your heart? The people that God sends will identify with what's in your heart. Hmm. The message that they carry, the weight that they carry, and the anointing they carry will identify that something God has put in your heart. But then secondly, you need to pray and ask the Lord to give you revelation yeah. on who it is that he's hand-chosen and hand-picked to align with. Mm. Okay. Awesome. Well, if there's anything else that you want, I wanted to give you an opportunity. If there's anything else you wanted to say about the uh, apostle, I know there's like so many, I know even after this, I'm going to sit there and start thinking of other things, <laughs> other, other questions. Um, but yeah, hopefully this brings some clarity and understanding to people about just exactly what an apostle is. Cause like we said at the top of the show, this can be kind of uh identifying exactly what an apostle is can be um you know it's a little bit harder to define than a than a prophet and an evangelist a preacher or a pastor and a, a teacher um you know and and so hopefully this brought more clarity to people they're like ah i know for me it was the manager at the job analogy like that <laughs> i got it once he said that i was like ah yeah okay that's so, funny yeah <laughs> Amen. Um, but Demonte, yeah. I don't know if you have anything else to say. I want to give you an opportunity to say anything else that you have to say. Closing remarks. I want to just say that a real apostle, there's always a lot of work. <laughs> it is a work. All the ministries are working ministries, but it is a working ministry because it's it's multi-purpose and it's it's, it's spread spread out. And so yeah. I think we covered a lot, and maybe there'll be a part two after the series that yeah. we we'll get more into it. But yeah. thank you so much, Jeff. And can I, I can pray for the viewers? Yeah, absolutely. Please. Okay. Well, Father, we thank you for this teaching. Yes, we pray Lord. that the spirit of truth will clear up any uh, misunderstandings or misconceptions. Mm -hmm. We pray that the spirit of wisdom will keep people anchored in the timing of God and the word of God and in the ways of God. And we pray, God, that people would open up the Bible like the Bereans of old and search out the scriptures for themselves. And as they read the Bible, that Holy Spirit, you would give them further insights, clarity, and understanding in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Yeah, Amen. I think it, just summarizing even just everything that you said, it's like an apostle is a servant first. You're not going in there like a rock star. Here comes the apostle. <laughs> Fireworks. You know, walking with your sunglasses on inside, <laughs> you know, shaking hands, kissing babies all that it's it's your servant first like you said if they if if you get invited to speak about the lineage of Jesus that's what you're going to do yeah and then always being respectful of the existing ministry or church so your servant first so, definitely yeah absolutely all of the ministry gifts yes yeah. definitely yeah that's good all right well demonte how can people follow you 
and what you're doing? Uh, the website is there on the bottom of the screen, F4Nations.com. And then if you type in my name on Facebook, I'll come up. Or you can go to DeMonte TV on Instagram or Facebook. And that will allow you to follow as well. And awesome. I would love if you enjoyed the message, shoot me a message. Blessings. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then you also have uh, access to your books, I believe, on F for, the, F for the Nations, F4 Nations. Amazon. Just hit up Amazon, type my name in, and all the books that you see on the wall will populate. Well, DeMonte, thank you so much. Um, again, this is part one of four. So you're going to come back the next three weeks on Monday, yep. and we're going to hit all the other, other topics. This is going to be great. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody, that's our show. Also, there's a donate link at the end, ElijahFire.com slash donate. And that goes towards keeping this free, keeping it five days a week and makes it so that we can keep doing all this amazing Elijah Fire content. We got a lot of exciting things planned for 2023. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so yeah, have a great day, you guys. And we'll see you tomorrow at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Bye-bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today. Thank you.